Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Father, you're so good, and we thank you. The whole earth is filled with your glory. And Father, we pray that you would just fill it up here this morning with a, with a greater spirit of, of love and of caring and of reaching out to one another. We pray that your word will have preeminence in all that we do this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to just worship you by giving back, knowing, Lord, that you love a good, cheerful giver. And I pray that we do so. And I thank you for those that do give sacrificially. And Lord, not out of compulsion, but a desire to continue your work. And may it be so. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm so glad you chose to join with us. Today is a special day. We have finished Mark. 68 messages, a little over a year and a half. Three year and three quarters, we have finished through the Gospel of Mark. And now we're going to begin a new series for the next six, seven weeks called David, A Man After God's Own Heart title of today's message is The Extraordinary Life of David. Let me ask you a question. What would you like on your tombstone? Have you ever seen that commercial? There you go. Pepperoni and sausage. Well, what would you like on your tombstone? I want to give you a, a couple examples. Here's a couple. Here's one. Died from not forwarding that text message to 10 people. There might, some of you might find that. The next one, I love this one. He loved bacon. Oh, and his wife and children, too. Or here lies Henry Blake. He stepped on the gas instead of the brake. But then I love this last one. Here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. When it comes time for your funeral memorial, what would you like to be said of you? How would you like your life to be described, if you could put it just on a tombstone, on a gravestone, if you had to put it down, what would you want to be said of you? How would your friends describe your life? What would others say to describe your accomplishments and who you were? What would you be remembered for? One of my all-time favorite epitaphs is that of King David from the Apostle Paul, and we'll look at that in a moment. As we start this new series on the life of David, a man after God's own heart. David's life is the stuff of legends. One of the most popular heroes of the faith, he is revered by both Jews and Christians alike. His popularity and fame transcends race, religion, and cultures. His exploits are well known and used as sources of motivation in both the secular and sacred realms. Everyone loves David. In Paul's sermon in Antioch, found in Acts chapter 13, which I'm, ask, I'm going to ask you to turn to, he gives, us some, he gives us several important facts or interesting facts about David. So we're in Acts chapter 13 this morning. And Paul here is speaking, he says, So Paul stood up 
and motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arms, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. I love that. And in verse 19, and after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Verse 21. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. Verse 22. And when he had moved him, he raised up David to be their king. Father, I pray now as we open your word to explore the life of David, that you help us to understand what it means to be a man after God's own heart. Lord, help us to delve into his life more than just history and facts and cartoonish types exploits, but let us see the man that's found in the pages. David was a real man, someone that you truly loved. And so I pray that you begin working our hearts in this series. Lord, that we would respond and open our hearts to the Holy Spirit as he works among us. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. Now, Paul is giving the Jews in a synagogue a needed history lesson of their own ancestors and of their own country. He's given us what's going on. How did David come to the throne? The, the land of Israel was a time of loss, especially if you look at Judges, where it says that every man did what was right in his own eyes. Pretty much sounds like today's culture, does it not? And everyone does what's right in his own age. And into that, the people finally said, Give us a king and be careful for what you ask for. For when we get a king, a savior in our own image, we typically do not like what we get. And they got Saul. And after that experiment failed, we see that God rises up David to be the king. And I want to focus on three facts about David. Three things that we can learn about David today. The first one is that David served the purposes of God throughout his lifetime. In his lifetime, David served the purposes of God. It's found there in verse 36. I love this verse. This is that epitaph that I spoke of earlier. For David, he says, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. What's his epitaph? And he served the purpose of God in his own generation. Let me ask. Could that be said of you this morning? When it comes down to the day when you die, could it be said, and blank served the purposes of God in his generation? He accomplished what God had for him in his generation. You may ask, well, who is David? I don't want to assume anymore that everyone knows who David is, so I want to give you some simple facts. His first appearance in the Bible is actually found in Ruth chapter 4. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, speaking of the baby, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. In this case, Obed's importance is the fact that he will be the grandfather of David. He is last mentioned in Scripture as the ancestor of Jesus in Revelation chapter 22 
where Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. For Jesus said, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Though Jesus is greater than David, Jesus still connects his earthly lineage to David. One writer notes that David was a poet, a warrior, a musician, a shepherd. He was a king, he was a theologian, and he was a sinner. He was a true Renaissance man centuries before that term was ever coined. A Renaissance man that some of you might remember from your studies in English Lit is he's a person who has wide interests and an expert in several areas. It has been used to describe men like Leonardo da Vinci, Benjamin Franklin, and Thomas Jefferson. So let's give you some basic facts and biographies here of David. I'm just going to give these to you real quick. Most of these you know. You don't have to write them down. We're going to look at them as we go through his life. Is that David was Israel's greatest king. He was born in Bethlehem around 1040 B.C., he was the youngest son of Jesse with seven older brothers. As a young shepherd boy, he killed a lion and a bear. He was anointed king by the prophet Samuel when Saul was rejected by God. He defeated Goliath, as we know, as a young man with just a sling and a stone. He had a strong friendship with Jonathan, the son of King Saul, which created some interesting dynamics, as we'll see. He served King Saul as a musician and a warrior until jealousy drove King Saul to attempt to kill David. He was also married to one of King Saul's daughter, making him the king's son-in-law. He was 30 years old when he became king over Judah. He reigned in Judah for seven years, and then he became king over all of Israel for 33, so he reigned for a total of 40 years as king. He defeated the Philistines and captured many towns and villages and other territories, bringing Israel back together, really for the first time as one nation. He established his capital at Jerusalem, which we know today is still the focal point of much wars and dissension even today. He established a standing army of 24,000 men who would serve one month a year as they would just rotate every year, as well as employing professional warriors from Crete and Philistia. He had several elite groups of fighting men. The Bible talks of a group of 600 men and then 30 mighty men and then a special three distinguished warriors. He was a man's man. He could lead men. He brought the Ark of Covenant back into Jerusalem and put it into a special place. He expanded the kingdom of Israel greater to its numbers than it was ever before. He had a desire to build a house for the Lord, but the Lord prevented him due to his legacy of war. Instead, he collected and provided the materials that his son Solomon would later use to build the temple. And not only that, he was a writer, as we now know, of 70 of the 150 Psalms. Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 23. I think especially as we're looking at today's political season and, and election season, I think the last words of David are pretty apropos. They're very appropriate for today. They can be encouraging and discouraging in the same way, but I want you to see how important David was, how loved of God he was, how he served God's purposes in his generation. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 23. In verse 1, now these are the last words of David. 
the oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of man, who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Now, that's the Holy Spirit's description of David. What wonderful words. Look at verse 2. Here's his words. The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? In other words, he's saying, am I not like the one ruling in the fear of God? Look at this in verse 5, look at verse B. For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. David served the purposes of God. For will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? Verse 6, but worthless men are all like thorns that are thrown away. For they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear. And they are utterly consumed with fire. David was a man who served the purposes of God by being a man who ruled in fear of God. And God blessed him immensely. For he has made with David an everlasting covenant. And he ordered on all things and secured his blessing. David served the purposes of God and God blessed him immensely. Now in saying that, David served God does not mean that he was blameless or he never did sin. We know that. David had many successes and failures. Let me give you some of them. And I'm going to read some scripture here very quickly. The scripture tells us that Saul has struck down his thousands, the women sing, but then they would sing, but David has killed his 10,000. Scripture says David had success in all his undertakings, in all that he did, for the Lord was with him. The scripture tells us that all Israel and Judah itself loved David, for he went out and he came in before them. It says that David made a name for himself among the nations. That the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. That David administered justice and equity to all his people. Oh, that God would give us politicians and rulers like that. That he would give us uh, pastors like that and elders like that. And he would give us fathers and mothers like that. But it's just as David had many, many successes... He had many failures as well. In serving the purposes of God, he too fell short. The Bible tells us that his mishandling of the Ark of the Covenant cost a man his life. He took Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and then he had him killed when he failed to cover up his sin. His ineffective control over his sons led to multiple disasters, rebellions, and death and eventually led to the division of the kingdom. And his pride, near the end of his life, led to the death of over 70,000 men in 2 Samuel chapter 24. David's life, though he served the purposes of God in his generation, was far from perfect. He suffered from depression, rejection, frustration, 
fear and despair. We can see that in the Psalms. Yet scripture tells us that David was a man of faith and that he served God's purposes. David himself puts it beautifully when he writes in Psalm 139. And if you're quick enough, you can go there with me. In Psalms 139 verse 13, David writes, You have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book are written them, every one of them, the days, the days that you have formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, How vast is the sum. What is David saying here? I recognize that I am living not my agenda, not my purpose, but I am to live out the purposes of God. David set in that time. He was set in that area. He was set as a son of Jesse, that eighth son, to serve the purposes of God. And I would say as we look at David, you and I both, all of us, are in the same way. For as just as Psalms 139 speaks of David, we also could say the same. For we are created by God to serve His purposes in our generation. So let it be said that we are not fighting God, but we are yielding to God's work. Not only was a David a man who served God's purposes in his generation, but number two we see that David was also a man after God's own heart. The subtitle of our series. Turn back to Acts chapter 13. It's there on the screen. If you need it, verse 22. We'll be in Acts here, 13, for most of the rest of the passage, the day. So you may want to go there. Look what it says as Paul continues in his preaching. He says, and when he had removed him, speaking of Saul, he raised up David to be their king of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. God, the one who created David, found in David something special, something extraordinary that separated him from the others. The prophet Samuel, in condemning King Saul's disobedience, informs the king in 1 Samuel, he says, Your kingdom, Saul, shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. What we see here is being a man after God's own heart includes the obedience of God. In Psalms 89, God says, I have found David my servant, and with my holy oil I have anointed him. Stephen, the first martyr found in the book of Acts, said that David had found favor in the sight of God. Wouldn't it be great to be able to say that I have found favor in the eyes of God? That he has anointed us to do his purposes? Well, the first question I always have to ask is, what does it mean to be a man after God's own hearts. And sometimes that can be difficult. 
Because we realize that David was not perfect. It does not mean sinless or blameless. Because we've seen David had had successes, but also disasters and failures. What do we see from David's life, though, is how he responded to his failures and to his sins. And so that's what I want to challenge you this morning, is how do you respond to those times when we don't serve God's purposes? When we fail God's purposes. For if you're like me, that's probably where you spend most of your time, is fighting sin, failing, and dealing with that guilt and shame. Dealing with the the knowledge that many times that you're struggling with God's agenda and your own. Wanting and say, I love God's word, I believe it's God's word, but yet not following God's word. Or even struggling with some of the things that it has to say. And so when we look at that, what does it mean to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? Dr. R.C. Sproul comments that in the Psalms we see the heart of a penitent sinner. A heart that is unveiled. And in that I think he says we see most clearly the greatness of David. He goes on to say, if you read Psalms 51, which we did earlier this morning, and if we read it carefully and thoughtfully, he writes, that psalm will reveal more than anything else in the history of David of why David was called a man after God's own heart. Because it here reveals the broken heart of a sinful man who sees his sin clearly. Again, if we were to go back to that passage that we read earlier, where David says, wash me, purge me, Create in me a clean heart. Cast me not away from your presence. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Oh, the sacrifices of God, he writes, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. I think if I were to look at the life of David, I find the life that I would love to lead. He's like a Marvel character ready to come to the big screen. I'm waiting for someone to to write a great movie, a big screen, big production, David and his mighty men. Some of their exploits are just amazing. I love to read those things. Then you read things of how he, he led in equity and justice. I can't even do that in my own home. My children and wife would attest to that. The failures that we have. We think of David. Well, he had maybe one or two or three maybe big things, but you... Look at the Psalms, and you actually see the real David in his own words. The pain he felt. Oh God, oh God, why have you forsaken me? We think of those as the words of Jesus, but first, those were the words of David. Where are you, God? My bones are about to be rotten away because of my sin. In it, you get the heart of the man who's after God's heart. David was a man who knew who he was. We've kind of romanticized David in many ways. I have. He's just this great king of Israel. Yeah, he had a few foibles, but all in all, who would not like to be a David? I'm here to share with you that David is found in the Psalms of a heart who's penitent, who understands who God is and who he is. And even as we see these things that the Holy Spirit says of David, we see that in the whole spectrum, he had a healthy understanding of who God was and who he was. 
Reverend Kevin DeYoung, he's a pastor, writes, David was a man after God's own heart because he hated sin. Now, you may say, well, then I must be a man because I hate sin too. Uh, You know, we have pulpits that are pounding and saying, we hate sin, we hate sin. Even ourselves, as we look in the mirror, we say we hate sin while in the same way our appetites are are being drawn to it and we're, we're wanting to feed them. But he goes on to say, not only was David a man after God's own because he hated sin, but he loved to forgive it. He loved to forgive it. What a better example of God could there be? God doesn't just welcome his enemies in, he dies in their stead. And as you look at the life of David, as we will, you see how he continually forgives and loves Saul as Saul is chucking a spear at him, as he's hiding from Saul in the caves and still refuses to rise up against him, how he gives love to the children and the grandchildren of Saul later when he takes the kingdom. God doesn't just welcome his enemies in, he dies in their stead. He is always eager to show mercy, always willing to give traitors a second chance. Yet God is not soft on sin. He exposes and he calls on us to exterminate it. But of course, God, unlike David, is never guilty of his own sin. God showed his condescension not by humbling himself before a needed rebuke, but by humbling himself to take on human flesh and to take up the cross. You see, David was great. Why? Because he was a man after God's own heart. He recognized that his heart was evil. He recognized that he needed to humble himself before God. David was great because he served the purposes of God and his generation. But that's not what you and I are to take from the life of David. We're not to hold up David as this man that we must attain to. David was great but not nearly as great as his greater son. You see, the life of David points to something much greater. He is an example, a shadow of something much greater. Yes, David served the purposes of God in his generation. David was a man after God's own heart, but the third point that you and I must recognize, that David was a type of, of Christ. He was a type of Christ. Now when I say type, I mean in the sense of typology, and you'll see it there. I want to make sure that you understand this word. Typology is, according to Theopedia, is a method of biblical interpretation, whereby an element found in the Old Testament is seen to prefigure one found in the New Testament. I know that can be kind of confusing. It says that the initial one is called the type. David is a type, and the fulfillment is the anti-type. That seems kind of odd, because we think of anti-Christ, we think of anti-against, but in this case, the anti-type is Christ. It could be a person, a thing, an event. It's often messianic, and usually relates to salvation. In this sense, David is the type, and Jesus is that anti-type. In other words, David in the Old Testament gives us a picture of Jesus in the New Testament. So when we say that David fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation, and that he was a man after God's own heart, that's to show us that Jesus himself served the purposes of God in his generation, and that he too 
was a man after God's own heart. Turn once again to Acts chapter 13. I'd like to go back to Paul's sermon. Because he'll make it a little bit clearer for us in verse 23. And stay with me because we're going to read uh, quite a few verses here in the, in the end of this sermon. Paul continues his sermon by saying, Of this man's offspring, who? King David. Of David's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. David served a purpose in pointing us and giving us Christ. Verse 26. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us, speaking of the Jews, has been sent the message of the salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterance of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. Now he's giving the story of Jesus. Found in him, in verse 28, no guilt worthy of death, and they asked Pilate to execute him. Look at verse 29. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him on the tomb. We understand this. We just read Mark. We understand. We've been through this. But look at what he says in verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. Amen. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus, as it's also written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he had raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of whom? Of David. Look at verse 35. Therefore he says also in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. David was anointed by the Lord in order to serve his purposes in his generation. He brought peace to the land. He ruled in justice and equity. He was a man of God's own heart that led the nation for many years, for 40 years, in the right way. And in this way, he then becomes the father, the great, great, great grand, if we were to go through there, to that of Jesus. And it's through David's lineage that Jesus comes. The Psalms speak of David pointing towards Christ. You see, Jesus is the promised son of David who will reign in strength and majesty that we find in the Old Testament that is promised. He is the promised branch of David. In Isaiah, who will execute justice and righteousness. And he's the promised proof of God's love for David in fulfilling an everlasting covenant. The Jews hold David up in great esteem as they should, as we should. He is an example to each and every Jew and Christian. But in the end, David served God's purposes in his generation. Because he was a man after God's own heart, pointing to something greater, and that's Christ. So as we look through David's life these next six weeks, you and I are going to look at how David is pointing to something greater. And like Jesus, David kept his eyes and focus on the Father. 
If we know anything from the Gospels, we knew that Jesus said, I do nothing but that which the Father gives me to do. I have obeyed the will of my Father. Like Jesus, David kept his eyes focused on the Father. In Psalms 23, he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Psalms 27, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And in Psalms 121, many of these are songs that we sing. He says, I lift my eyes to the mountains, for where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Where are your eyes this morning? If you want to be a man like David, then our eyes are fixed on the greatest Savior of all, the one that points to the great blessings. One pastor writes that we could say that David reminded God of his own son, Jesus Christ, and that this was the main reason why he paid so much attention to this short, small, little shepherd boy. God's affection for David was not based on David's potential. It was not based on what David could do. It was not based on his lineage, but it was based on his eternal love for his son, Jesus. David was loved because he points to Christ. More so than just as his famous ancestor, but because he pointed to the one who is the everlasting covenant, the one who brings true equity and righteousness. For the next six weeks, we're going to explore the extraordinary life of David. As found in Scripture, in order to challenge you and I, to encourage you and I, and to exhort each one of us to faithfully serve God in our generation. What is it that God has called you to do? And how you can develop that heart of God in which you have a heart that's unveiled. You have a heart that's open, that we too can serve God, be a people after his own heart, and find that favor as well. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.